If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the theater. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. Dramatic psycho profile on him using a database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? I love the winner. Say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Naming Network. And to find more from us, check out the website at themainnaming.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Naming. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, friends. Hey, so... Watching this movie and seeing Peter Fonda and Kirk Russell, I guess, CGI surf, made me realize that I am not good at any uh, quote-unquote white guy sports. Like, I'm terrible at hacky sack. I probably could never surf. Um, I, I did find it weird yeah. that they included the hacky sack scene at the end of this movie. That was a very strange <laughs> uh, addition. Kurt Russell and the bad guy. To see who who actually escapes. Yeah, if you give me if you gave me a thousand guesses of what the first white man sport Mark was gonna mention, <laughs> never would have guessed hacky sack. I don't even. Is it a sport? It's an activity. Yeah, it's kind of like like it's it, in California games, man. It's uh, like <laughs> until uh, until you add the ultimate to frisbee. Frisbee isn't a sport either. It's like a thing you do, but then you yeah. do the ultimate. Yeah. So it's like unless there's an ultimate hacky sack, I don't know if it's a sport. I think if you oh. play, is is it one of those things where if you play a hacky sack, you also play an acoustic guitar very poorly? Is that, they've got to be intertwined, right? 
I mean, yeah, sure. I'm sure there. Whenever there's a group of hacky sack players, there's probably a friend of theirs who's like, ah, I don't really. I'm not. I'm not down to hack today. The to hacky sack today. So I'm. I was gonna sit here and play Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They always. That's the. Uh, you know. That's what jazzes up the hacky sack players. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know? Yeah. And then and they maybe hit that bridge. But he's got a very important job is playing Wonderwall so all the babes could come over. Yeah. Right. And then a lot of the guys are playing with their shirts off. So it, it's all by design. So we're basically just talking about Eric Christian Olsen's character in Community, right? That's 100% Bomb. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're not talking about Hacky Sack or Community or Eric Christian Olsen. We're talking about a different movie. But before we do... Guys, what did you watch this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I watched The Five Bloods. Okay. And man, like Spike Lee is on a roll, man. He, uh, uh, Black Klansman, uh, The Five Bloods, just, it, it's, I, watching it as obviously a white guy, you're not going to get it, you know, it's not going to have the same impact for for us, but wow, it was, I enjoyed it very much. I, I enjoy most of his movies, so this is, to me, it's, he's just on a roll. Cool. Anything else? That's it, actually. Okay. What about you, Mark? Um, I didn't really watch anything this week out of my, my normal stuff. If we if we want to have a standing thing that I watch two episodes of Adam 12 every week, we can say that. <laughs> because it's on in the background while I cook dinner. So. <laughs> and my, Mark is just surprising me every every time he opens his mouth today. <laughs> he ah, continues to surprise me. It'll be a good episode. Um, <laughs> I'm two streams in. I'm raring to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I did watch quite a bit because I kind of had a little mini vacation. Uh, I watched, uh, rewatched Knives Out. Um, and we watched today today's movie. I watched Peanut Butter Falcon for the first time, okay. and, which was pretty good. Um, Shia Bluff is really good in it, uh, as well as uh, everybody in that in that cast is pretty good. Especially, uh, it's got special appearances by Jake the Snake Roberts and Mick Foley. So I was excited to see those two guys pop up out of nowhere. Um, I also watched The Five Bloods. Excellent. Um, messy, but like in the way Spike Lee movies are usually messy. I think him and him and Tarantino, they kind of are cut from the same cloth, and that they, they just have so many ideas that they throw against the wall to see what sticks, and most of it does. Um, some of it doesn't work, some of it does. Uh, but the Five Bloods was really good. Enjoyed it a lot. And then I watched a documentary on Shutter called Horror Noir, which uh, kind of traced um, the role of uh, African Americans in the genre of horror, which was very interesting. Um, it was just kind of something I threw on uh, while I was doing other things, but uh, I found it fascinating. It started from like uh, Birth of a Nation up through Get Out. Um, really wow. kind of eye-opening kind of uh interesting discussion um but yeah that's kind of what i watch i can't remember anything i started uh after the five bloods i started rewatching apocalypse now for the first time in like 10 years it kind of made me start watching but i never i never finished it but um yeah but uh besides that this week was mark's week to pick a movie so mark you want to yeah. you want to introduce yeah so um this week i chose um escape from la um for a couple reasons. One, um, we had spoken about um, me possibly watching Escape from New York in the last episode. Um, so it made me, uh, when I went to search that on Amazon, I saw that LA was there and I was like, that's probably a better movie for the podcast. Um, because um, in a uh, slightly um, uh, personal story, the I saw this movie in theaters um, because it was, 
a few months removed from when my parents separated. So my dad was doing that thing where he gets you for the day and goes, let's go to the movies. I don't know what else to do with you. You're 12. <laughs> you know, like um, it's winter or whatever it was. I forget. Um, I don't know. Let's go. And he was like, I, I liked this movie when I was younger. You know, Kurt Russell was in it. He was in New York. It's a sequel. Let's go see it. And then we both walked down. He was apologizing the whole time. No, home. You know, I promise the other one was better. <laughs> I, let, and, uh, I let you down again. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that was my memory of this movie. Uh, I, I didn't remember most of it. The two things I did remember going in, and we'll get into it, was the basketball thing yep. and, and the really dumb um, hang gliders at the end. Those are the that two was things a surprise. I re- yeah, those are the two <laughs> things I remembered going into the movie. Um, the rest of it, I had no idea. Uh, there's a part in the very beginning that I'll get into that I probably noticed, and I don't know if you guys uh, notice it's more on the video game side, but when we get to that part, I'll, I'll point it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, this was um, taking an 11, 12-year-old, wherever I was at the time, to see this rated R movie um, in the theaters. It's sort of like a, hey, sorry I'm not around as much, sort of, and then just being another sad moment. <laughs> so now this whole podcast is going to be marred by that story. Uh, no, I laugh about it because it was it's it was just funny the way like he thought that this movie was uh, going to be this great epic thing. And it was the first time I've seen another person get excited to take me to see a movie or go to a movie and then it suck and just be like hoping I don't hate them the whole way home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen this, but, uh, John Carpenter's Escape from L.A., directed by, I'll give you one guess who directed it. John Carpenter? That's right. Uh, co-written and produced by Deborah Hill and Kurt Russell. Uh, special mention to Deborah Hill, because, uh, she's kind of been getting her due, uh, unfortunately, posthumously, but, um, I think it was after the, uh, the... Halloween podcast that came up with Amy Nicholson, who co- who hosted it a couple of years ago. Um, Deborah Hill has kind of been getting more attention of how important she was to John Carpenter's career, as well as like the genre of horror. And she's also a Philadelphia native. She was born yeah. in Haddonfield, New Jersey, of all places. Um, just she's, a stone's throw away from myself and Mark. She's but from grew here. up in Philly. Yep, she's from here. Grew up in Philly. Um, and she produced this as well as uh, a number of John Carpenter's uh, bigger movies, Halloween, of course, Halloween two, and she ha- she was one of the spearheads in front of Halloween three, season of the witch, is one of the movies yeah. we've already covered, a favorite of ours, as well as Escape from New York and a bunch of other movies. Um, she was uh, she will be missed. She was an excellent producer and kind of a uh, uh, a trailblazer for for women producers in movies, but uh, this is also Kurt Russell's, I think, only uh, screenwriting credit. Uh, but it stars Kurt Russell, Steve Buscemi, Peter Fonda, Cliff Robertson, A.J. Langer, Valeria Golino, Stacy Keach, Pam Greer, and Bruce Campbell. Um, Mark, we've already talked about where you're coming from from this movie, and Dan, where are you coming from with this movie? Okay, so I had never seen Escape from L.A., but I had seen Escape from new york now to kind of juxtapose mark's story my father had seen escape from new york as well and he told me never watch escape from la because it's terrible so you <laughs> only watch escape from new york so in my mind i thought it was like well he grew up in new york that's probably why he liked it so much more than la but being a good boy i heeded his warning and i, I never <laughs> watched it like yes dad you know I'm, you're not watching escape from la are you 
No, I, I promise. All right. <laughs> no, I'm watching porn. I swear. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> no. It, um. Yeah. He he always told me how bad Escape from L.A. was, and um. So yeah, I just I never really had a desire to watch it. But now I, I'm kind of sad that I didn't watch it as a kid because I feel like I could have really really gotten a head start on what I wanted to say about it. Mm. It's pretty silly. Uh, and it's really like harmless silly. Um, and I think the problem with Escape from L.A. was they made this entirely too late in Kurt Russell's career. I think it, he was more on the downswing. He was uh, he wasn't nearly as big. And yeah, I, I'm not really excited that I got to see it. But <laughs> but you know what? It, I can say I could just cross it off the list. It's one of those movies where it's whatever. It's there. It exists. Sure. Yeah, um, I'll regale another story. Uh, my father did not teach me the ways of Kurt Russell uh, when I was a kid. So if Escape from L.A. ever came on, he was probably like, I don't know, some movie. I didn't go see this in theaters. Uh, the For some reason, I have this really random memory of... Uh, it must have been like Peter Fonda on Letterman setting up the clip of him saying, oh, tsunami's coming, baby. You're going to roll <laughs> through this, you know, shit like that. And I don't know why I was 11 years old watching Letterman and Peter Fonda on there, but I specifically remember that scene and that scene alone because um, I had never seen this before. But yeah, it it's it's super soft R, Mark. You surprised me again uh, when you mentioned that it was an R rating because I I would have bet money it was a PG-13 because it's it's soft it's really I think that's yeah. one of the detriments to it I think I think it like because you see yeah. like I mean it's not like oh I just want to see tits and ass all over the screen but like you see a whole bunch of hookers and prostitutes uh, and like that and it's it it feels like a PG-13 movie I can't yeah. remember. I can't remember anybody really cursing. I don't really remember that much blood. You see a whole bunch of people get gunned down, but you don't really see, you know, they're faceless kind of goons that don't bleed out or anything like that. Um, so I am surprised that it's an R rating. Uh, it, I've always had this, uh, heard that this reputation of this movie that was like god awful. It's not god awful. It's it's 1996, and it feels like a 1996 cheesy action yeah. movie. Um, it's, it's, it's not Halloween H2O. No. It's not quite Con Air. Okay. Right. Um, it's not quite The Rock, but it kind of fits in there. You know, maybe it's a it maybe it's a B tier or C tier of those kinds of movies. Yeah. If you're if you're compartmentalizing all action movies into this one, um, you know, pre I don't know pre Michael before Michael Bay really became Michael Bay. And this huge spectacle of all that kind of stuff. It kind of fits snugly in those mid-90s kind of uh, mid-budget bu- movie, action movies. I, I so. can't think of the movie, but there's another um, like character who's the, the original movie. Like I, I haven't seen Rambo 2 in a while, so I don't know if this comparison would work. But there's some some uh, well-known character where the first movie's like really like gritty and dark and, you know, like very violent and as escape from new york is in terms of you know um and then this one there it just basically they're making a joke about kurt russell's character throughout most of this movie um mm-hmm. but i i i don't know if like that can like change in tone um from what i remember of escape from new york the one time that i've seen it um 
was what I noticed the most in this. It's kind of rehashed, essentially. Escape from L.A. from Escape from New York. In Escape from New York, they put in, I think it's like a bomb, essentially, into Snake. And they say you have X amount of time to retrieve the president. Right. And if you don't, you blow up. And this, it's a virus. So, yeah. you know, it's just rinse and repeat. And I agree. Escape from New York is grungy. It's dirty. It's dark. Uh, that was that was an R-rated movie. And because it, it used its cursing liberally, if I remember correctly. Like in, in this one, you, you maybe get a few F-bombs here and there. Like, what is it? You only get one for PG-13, right? Yeah. So maybe there might be like five or six in this very light usage of cursing but yeah it's it's such a weird drop and it came it came out what 15 years later that's a huge drop yeah yeah you're not 16 years later yeah you're not striking while the iron's hot there man Mm. you know this is a movie that should have came out in 84 85 at the latest yeah i would say like this should have been made in the 80s like once it hit 1990 it's like oh well window is closed you know, 1989 would have been perfect. Right before, right, getting in right before Batman 89. Yeah. And uh, again, you, you have Kurt Russell, who he's a huge action star in the 80s. And in the 90s, he did uh, like Universal Soldier. And he didn't really do too much. He was more, I think he was doing comedy at that point. Like he did Captain Ron in the 90s. So his, his star, I like Captain Ron. <laughs> so uh, I, mean, I mean, he did Tombstone, uh, yeah. you know. I think that's true. When did Tombstone come out? I mean, that was 93, 94. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I I don't think he had a whole lot of star power in 96, like in the late nineties, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, this, this movie, it definitely owns the, the cheese that you were talking about. Ant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this movie is pretty prophetic too with, (laughs) they talk about, uh, an engineered virus and then in, and him walking into a police state, it was kind of like, oh man, it's a little on the nose for what we're going through right now. It's a little more on the nose than I than I thought it would be. I thought this New York would have been the closer one, but yeah, no. Uh, we're just talking about uh, cops, uh, the a fascist president that decides uh, he's going to um, be president for life and uh, creates a police state in and around Los Angeles where, and all of the United States, because we find out that they've outlawed all the fun stuff, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, no fucking. If you're not married, all that kind of stuff that makes life worth living. No red meat. Just, no, no red, red meat. That's a good thing. Dan was like, all right, when are right. we, when are we, when are yeah, we when do are we, this? <laughs> I'm moving there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but wait, so you can't have red meat, but everything else is okay. Yeah. That's very weird. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're asking, because I'm just saying that everything else has been outlawed. Well, no, like every, every other type of meat, I mean. So you can't have red meat, but you still have pork and chicken. Yeah, I mean, I guess pork is the other white meat, so yeah. Right. I don't it's just, you, you either go all or nothing, I say. You can't give me this half-ass red meat. I mean, I think, I think in the 90s, like, cutting out red meat was in fashion, Sort of it's like oh you got to keep your cholesterol low that red meat that red meat will kill you so that's probably like tapping into something from the 90s that we forget about yeah we were just we we youngins that didn't give a shit about cholesterol right yeah I mean we were usually just stuffing pizza and candy down our face regardless so I mean I still do that but no, I was like what, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, uh, it, 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 you're right it was kind of weird how 
I mean, this movie is set in 2013, so it wasn't too far off. Nope, just right? just a few short years earlier. Yeah, yeah. eight years. Yeah, yeah, not not too far off. And uh, are there, did they know that L.A. is slowly sinking into the ocean anyway? Like the West Coast is slowly sinking. I think that was sort of a a thing from the 90s, if I remember okay. correctly. Yeah, and like after the earthquakes and stuff. Yeah. Okay, it so, feels like feels something that like from the 90s right because i'm gonna say if he figured that out in 96 like damn man someone's got to tap into him and see what else yeah, he knows i mean i mean demolition man was sort of had kind of the same idea as well as what was the other one we saw um, double, double dragon, dragon. Double, yep. i was gonna yeah double dragon could be from the same universe i yeah. i wanted to make a joke about I, I wanted to make a meme about how the cops from Demolition Man are really going to happen in our future, where they have no idea how to handle violence at all. It's and it's just going to be uh, Rob Schneider like making cracking wise while bad things are going on. Mm-hmm. That that's essentially we're going to see that eventually, I think, in our lifetime. Um, we'll talk off we'll talk off air about what we are seeing right now on Twitter <laughs> on videos of how police react to violence. But uh, we will not go into that on this one. So we'll just kind of move right past and say this movie got an eight, a five point eight on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes score of five point four percent. Budget's fifty million dollars and box office twenty five million. Uh. So it. Yeah, it didn't. It made half its money back. Uh, oh man, it's a tough one. I wonder. I wonder if this is like John Carpenter's biggest loss. I didn't look I, that up. I wonder yeah. if. I wonder if it would have been PG thirteen if it would have made its money. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's fair. Because yeah. yeah, in the nineties, that that was a big thing. I think wasn't it? That's where. I mean, in the eighties, you could kind of get away with it for an R rated movie. I mean, just in general, I think, you know, when you have an R-rated movie, you, you've already cut into your box office. Yeah, for sure. That's why all these remakes of horror movies try and be PG-13, or that, like, that run of them, like Prom Night and all that kind of bullshit. Um, yeah, it's, this movie definitely had a lot of things going up. The, the deck was stacked against it, for sure. Yeah. Eh, yeah, like, it, like, I think it's, um... Its reputation precedes it a little bit. I think it's it's fine. It's a fine movie. It's not great, yeah. um, but it does. It wasn't like abysmal. But you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? So, as you all know, I like to plug our good friend Tia and her podcast, Top Ten with Tia. Uh, it's a podcast where Tia and her friends get together and discuss the top ten lists of the week so you know anywhere from top 10 directors top 10 villains top 10 heroes you name it they they uh cover it so she's a good friend of the podcast like i said she's on geek vibes nation so go check them out and you'll be able to find her podcast along with a bunch of other excellent podcasts i am looking forward to the top 10 moments of john wick since she has now gotten into that series so about time yeah, check that out. Or by the time this comes out, it'll probably be already be up. So take a listen to that. Um, and we're going to get into the plot. But before we do, we're going to take a couple of minutes to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. 
Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribed to the best little horror house house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back and now it's time to get into the plot of escape from la we open on some credits that seem like they're just took them from escape from new york or the running man and some green lines like some sort of 1980s sonar system and then we uh, get a on screen 1998 we get a female voiceover that says L.A. has been ravaged by crime and immorality. So L.A., uh, which leads to the United States to create the National Police Force. Um, and then we get presidential candidate Uncle Ben is some sort of televangelist. And he's been predicting that an earthquake will ravage the city. And sure enough, two years later, um, it comes true. A 9.5 earthquake on the Richter scale uh, basically decimates all of Los Angeles. Buildings, freeways collapse, huge tidal waves hit the hit the city, and then after the earthquake, the Constitution, I guess because President Uncle Ben figured it out, he's given a lifetime term as president. And then he moves the White House to Lynchburg, Virginia, where he's from, and they decide that the island of Los Angeles is no longer a part of the U.S. and is now a deportation point of the undesirables. Uh, the U.S. police force controls the island, a wall's built around L.A., and if a U.S. person loses citizenship, they are deported there. So if it's essentially Australia. Anything, yep, it's like an Australia. Australia. Yeah. yeah. If we're doing yeah. anything amoral. Yep. Like, very vague. How quickly would we be there? I know I would be there very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on how sneaky we are about the things that we like doing. Uh, they would, the, the government would just look up my search history and like, oh, we need to send him to L.A. with you, sir. Yeah, I mean, I got to have my lucky strikes, man. <laughs> my lucky strikes. <laughs> uh, we flash forward to 2013, the future, and yes. police control the news and the border. Uh, it's like a pure fascist's wet dream. Um, Snake Plissken, the hero from the original film, gets arrested for gunfighting for profit. We see a bunch of people that they declare the trash being ushered through the deportation process while Pliskin gets escorted personally by a guard. As he walks through, one of the guards scrapes his hand with a nail and then leads him into a processing room. Uh, while he's in the processing room, Commander Malloy shows up, played by Stacy Keach. He comes in to talk to Snake, and Snake already knows that there's something that needs that they need from him. Um, the female officer Brazen shows snake footage of Utopia, the president's daughter. Utopia has stolen a prototype unit from a government facility, and then she hijacks Air Force Three and attempts to overthrow her own father. Um, I, I think ahead. we we had this discussion off podcast, but you know, Utopia is played by AJ Langer, and uh, it, it's one of those things where I had to go through her IMDb profile to tell you where you knew her from. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I went through it. 
she's one of those actresses that did, hasn't done a lot, like, high profile or anything, but she's been in one or two episodes of a lot of things we watched. Like, she sure. was in, like, Wonder Years, Drew Carey show, you know, things that were, were, were popular around there. So when I saw her pop up in this movie, I was like, oh, this is about the right time frame. You know, she's mm. cashing in on that My So-Called Life money um, that was going around. You know, trying to be like, I'm better than that Claire Danes. She's you know? pretty bad in this movie. Was she bad in yeah. those other things? <laughs> She's good in my so-called life, but okay. um, not anything else, basically. <laughs> uh, fun fact, Kate Hudson was at one point considered for the role of Utopia, as obviously she is his ha- a stepdaughter? I want to say daughter. Isn't See, it it's daughter? weird, because they're like, they're life partners, right? So they're right. ne- they're ne- they've never, never, him and Goldie Hawn never married. So it's like the names are all over the place because Wyatt Russell has his dad's name, but I'm pretty sure he's Goldie Hawn's kid too. Um, yeah, I, I think Goldie he kept. Hawn. I think he kept the last name just for you know if you're trying to get into acting. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it, obviously he kept the last name because it, it's his dad. But where uh, was Kate Hudson? Kate Hudson. Yeah. Right. So I guess that's yeah. What the hell? Goldie Hawn was it? Goldie Hudson? Uh, I don't know. No, it it was so Gold uh, Kate Hudson and her brother Oliver Hudson um, were Goldie Hawn's kids, not uh, Russell's. Not Russell's, but he raised, he helped raise them as his own. Oh, okay. So yeah, there you go. Essentially, they are his kid kids. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So then, who did he have Wyatt with? Um, I believe that's Season Hubley. They were born in 19... They married in 1979, divorced in 1983. Okay. She was an actress. She was in Escape from New York as Girl in Chock Full of Nuts. Oh, man. That makes total sense now. She was... Yeah. Who could forget that famous character? She was in some skin movies, though. Looking at the names of some of these movies, Vice Squad, Lolly Madonna, Triple X. What is this? That was the the original Vin Diesel movie. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is a real movie. It's got Rod Steiger and Jeff Bridges in it. <laughs> Can I say I am uh, this many years old when I found out that Oliver Hudson is Kate Hudson's brother? There or you go. Is that? Yeah. I mean, knew them both separately. Had no idea they were related. The amount the amount of times I've thought about Oliver Hudson in my <laughs> life is I could count on a single hand. Yeah. I didn't and even I, know he was a thing. Yeah, and I that's only years old. It's only in the handful of episodes of Rules of Engagement I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. I wouldn't have known who Oliver Hudson was if I walked over him on the sidewalk. He was he was Kyle in Grown Ups too. Come on, man. <laughs> two? Mark I, knows him from Dawson's Creek. I mean, that's what. Exactly. That... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All and there was one other, one other thing. I saw him in uh, something that I was doing for. Um, I'm gonna look it up while you're. But uh, was it, was it Journey Back to Christmas? I know how much it, you love those Christmas movies. For some reason, I want to say it was something like that. Uh, bu- 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 bu. So he has a lineage going, uh, Kurt Russell. Well, yeah. yeah. If, if you count, if you count Kate and Oliver, yeah, he's got three kids that are uh, that are in Hollywood. I'd, I, I'd like Wyatt Russell a lot in in things I've seen him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's solid. I I don't know if it's better or worse, but. Um, I probably have also known him from both Scream Queens and Nashville because I watched those first seasons. So <laughs> that actually doesn't surprise me, Mark. This was a podcast <laughs> where you're going to surprise me, and neither, those facts did not surprise me. No, nope, I'm like, if those surprise you, Ant, then I should just leave. Then you don't know me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, uh, sir. <laughs> uh, so uh, they believe uh, the 
Uh, Malloy and Brazen, they believe that Cuervo Jones, terrorist, has brainwashed Utopia by infiltrating her VR setup. Because um, she, after the backstory of her her sister committing suicide or something like that, then her just getting lost in her VR world, and Cuervo Jones hacks it and basically <laughs> brainwashes her in VR. So the plan, which may, basically it's the same exact plan from Escape from New York, New York. Uh, the plan is for Pliskin to go into L.A. to retrieve a black box from Cuervo Jones for a full pardon. Um, if he doesn't do it, Pliskin will die from an engineered virus. And that's why the guard scratched him. She infected him with the virus. And he tries to lunge at the president because he gets all mad. But they are all holograms. So basically, he doesn't have a choice. Uh, that's it. The black box is some sort of doomsday device where it can shut. It sends an EMP that shuts off the um, uh, Electro electronics electricity uh and you could pinpoint it or you could shut down the entire world um that is basically the MacGuffin of this movie then we get a scene where snake gets a whole bunch of weapons and equipment and then a suiting up scene where he puts on all his cool black leather um get up with his jacket his famous jacket and um, so the plan is to bring snake to la via submarine yeah. and meet up with a rescue team member the only one that's still alive. Um. So this is the point I want to jump in with the video game thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's known that in some way, or maybe not very well disguised, that Snake from um, Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear fame is probably based off Escape from New York, Snake Bliskin, um, okay. if not explicitly. Um, the thing with this is I'm wondering, um, and for those of you out there that played Metal Gear Solid, which came out in 98, I'm wondering how much of the game was made by this point, because the opening of that game is Snake coming into the secret facility on like a torpedo that's sort of shaped like this submarine that mm-hmm. he comes in on on this, and that he is also infected with a uh, a, 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 a disease um, that, uh, you know, is the reason why he has to go stop the terrorists, is oh. because they know how to, like, there's like those little things match up. Um, and I was waiting to see if there was like something else, like where he lands is sort of like an underground facility and he takes an elevator. And I was waiting for that to happen um, mm-hmm. until he got out of this. Um, but yeah, as soon as I saw that submarine, I was like, holy shit. I wonder <laughs> how I wonder how much of this Kojima stole um, to, <laughs> to do this. I bet the graphics on the PlayStation 1 were better than the graphics in the movie because... <laughs> The graphics in this movie are atrocious. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty bad. That is the one weak point. Uh, well, I mean, there's a plenty of weak points, but that is a an obvious weak point of this movie is the CG. Apparently, looking up in the trivia, like basically the this was the fir- the animation team was the first time they were dealing with CG. I wow. thought so, it was good. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> so look like it at all. No. So this is everybody's first first attempt, basically. <laughs> at, doing Hollywood level CG. So that's great. This would be, it's perfect because whenever the director, like when the director came in, like, what is this shit? They could honestly say, this is my first day on the job. (laughs) It's my first day. It's my first. Oh, well in that case, wait a minute. (laughs) That's our one. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Quack, quack, quack. Yeah. Count it. Uh, so, uh, he has to meet, he's supposed to meet up with a rescue team member. Uh, they sent out a rescue team, uh, of like five or six and they all died except for one. The plan is to the snake to find him. Uh, Molloy tells snake the mission, uh, also includes if he sees utopia to kill her on site. 
They don't want to spend any more taxpayer dollars on uh, locking her up or whatever. And they give him eight hours to complete the mission or else something happens. I don't know what it is. that The, the uh, disease kills him. Well, the disease kills him, but they also... like So the, the government also has a clock, a ticking clock. So yeah. we know that the government knows that he's not going to die. So there is some there is some reason yeah. why they're watching the clock, and I can't I don't remember what it what it is. Maybe oh, 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 it's the it's the Cuba uh, the invasion. Yeah, the Cuervo uh, not Cuervo Cuervo Jones's uh, team from Cuba is going to infiltrate Miami. That's what it is. Yeah, so they have eight hours before that happens, and that's why Snake has the eight hour timeline on his. Um, so he gets shot off with a submarine as he heads towards LA and he's underwater. He crashes through some buildings passing by universal studios. Basically half of, uh, LA is underwater. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, ha 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 cackle out loud when a shark comes up and snatches at him, he passes by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yeah. was a universal film. So, um, yeah. it also makes sense. Uh, snakes get out a snake gets out of the sub and comes across some surfers. Um, supposedly Brecken Meyer is one of the surfers, but I couldn't really see him. Um, and they don't take too kindly to him on the beach as the old surfer tells him. So he leaves. And after a slow ass car chase goes by the main surfer, the old surfer played by Peter Fonda. We finally get a good look at him. Follows Snake, and Snake pulls a gun on him, and the surfer tells him that, hey, man, I'm not trying to kill you. I just recognize you, Zal, bro. And Snake asks him to point him in the direction of the Hollywood Bowl, so he does, and then Snake goes off. And this is the, I think this is the first mention of the ongoing joke that people think he's taller. Yeah. You know? I don't get I, it. I, is, is that a joke about Kurt Russell? Is he short? He's like he's like five ten according to his IMDb. Okay. So he's probably five. I was wondering five, if it was like eight. a sort of a little ribbing from John Carpenter or something. Maybe towards <laughs> Kurt Russell. That's kind of um, mean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's what I thought um, in there. But Kurt also Kurt shows up to uh, Kurt shows up on the set every day and like, hey Kurt, you're short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. You don't have to keep Just telling me. Just in the character, Kurt. Just. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be great. So, so passive aggressive. If somebody told you that there was an actor that played a older surfer in this movie, how many actors would you go through before getting the Peter Fonda? Uh, I, I wouldn't even cast an old person as a surfer, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be maybe in the first 100. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, the funny thing about it is this is the first character we the first character that we meet who is essentially pointless to the plot. And is a wasted yeah. character. Yeah. Because P- obviously Peter Fonda is a legend, so you yeah. would think he would have more of a pivotal role, but mm-hmm. you'd be wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. Peter Fonda's paycheck movie. <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> he was pretty yeah, old. He had to get scale. Uh, he had to get scale. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Peter pe- Fonda bought a beach house with the, the money <laughs> that he made for the Tuesdays on set. <laughs> We need to make a mortgage payment that month. <laughs> yeah, he has to support. Uh, someone's got to support. Uh, is was Henry Fonda still alive at that point? <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a drug habit. I'm like, did did he do it? I don't know. I don't know enough about Peter Fonda. <laughs> he had to support Jane. She's got you know. Yeah. A lot of so times. Uh, so uh, where am I? Uh, he travels to the slums, which I guess is all of L.A. at this point. It's kind of really hard to say exactly where he is because I don't. It, these Hollywood movie, these L.A. movies are always just like so inside baseball with like people from that aren't from LA aren't going to know the geography of it. 
Um, this is but, sort of like the red light district, essentially. Yeah. But it's like all it's all garbage. He travels from one shitty place to another. Um, yeah, but they all seem to sort of have a distinct um, theme to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I had a. I wish we we needed a map. You know, oh, well. that's a good transition. <laughs> uh, he's following a tracker for the last remaining rescue team member, but then the rescue team member has already been killed and crucified. So some bald guy starts giving Snake shit, played by Robert Carradine, actually. Oh, yeah. It's a little cameo. But Snake walks off and asks a prostitute to tell him where Cuervo Jones is, and she points him towards Sunset Boulevard. All this is, all this whole movie is just Snake asking people where Cuervo <laughs> Jones is, and then him going to, then pointing them him in a direction so that he could ask another person the same <laughs> question. I, I did write that down where this movie is essentially Snake being captured and then being brought to where he needs to go and then finding he needs to go to another place, being captured again and being brought to that place. So yeah. he gets around in this movie by just being captured, really. <laughs> yeah, I was getting flashbacks of not just the first video game I mentioned, but just parts of the, the video game Shenmue where you just walk around and ask people and they go, yeah, it's that store there. You go to that store, like, nope, you have to go down here to that alley over there. And you just kind of keep walking around the town until you eventually find the end of the story. And that's essentially what this felt like. It was like a quest in a video game. It's just, it's a whole big, your princess is in another castle. castle. Yeah. Uh, so she points him towards Sunset Boulevard, and then the bald guy comes out and starts to... More starts more shit with Snake, and then... Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Snake just shoots him and walks away. Um, Snake makes it to Sunset Boulevard, which is just a mess of hookers and dirty merchants at this point. And Cuervo Jones shows up in a convertible, addressing the crowd in some sort of processional, sort of like JFK in a convertible. Nobody shoots him in the back of the head, though. Um, he's telling everyone to join him in Happy... Uh, I say Happy Land. Uh, happy Kingdom, I believe it's called. Um, yes. yeah. For some sort of celebration. And Utopia is with him. He's got a processional full of motorcycle guys, and Snake steals one of the motorcycles from a gang member and then pursues Cuervo Jones. Snake takes a few guys out on bikes. Uh, who was going to say something? I was going to say, do you, do you think they went through multiple redesigns to try and get as far away from Che Guerrera as they possibly could with this character without getting sued? They I mean, don't do a very good job of it then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was dead already, so... He's just sewing that line. Yeah. Uh, takes a few guys out on bikes and they eventually he eventually gets cornered by a few of them um, he tells them that they should face off and they're gonna do some bangkok rules which is nobody draws until a can hits the ground so he throws a can up in the ground and then shoots them all as they wait for him to, for it to hit the ground so snake just straight up just murders <laughs> five or six guys 
to be fair, they were going to murder him. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. It's true. Listen, but man, he is supposed to be our hero. <laughs> There's no laws in the streets, dude. All right. Sure, but it's not. It's not very heroic. <laughs> no, so. it's not. I. But I was trying to before he did that. Like, how the hell is he gonna get out of this? Honestly, like, th- he had four guns trained on him. I was like, uh, it's gonna take some, you know, some slick moves. But it was really just a huge cop out. <laughs> just, just straight up lies to them. They take they take him at his word. Oh, this guy's honorable. Right. Yeah, never it's trust a guy in an eye patch. <laughs> I think we can trust Snake Pliskin. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's not. Yeah, I guess it's one of those. Not his, not his best moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but was it his best moment? No. It's like yeah. It's like if you're it, watching it the good, the bad, the ugly, and like. Uh, Clint Eastwood just like, okay, guys, on the count of three, and then he just shoots them on one. <laughs> it's like, was, oh, well, uh, that was I don't feel great about that. In real life, I would have tried to do something backhanded. Right? You're, the odds are against you. You gotta, you gotta cheat. Dan, we've never accused you of being a hero. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair point. <laughs> I would probably be one of the henchmen, first of all, but I would not take Snake Plissken's word for it. Like, what, you guys, idiots? <laughs> that motherfucker. Every, everyone else is looking at the can, and I just, I just shoot him. <laughs> he'd What's the matter like, with you guys? Yeah, he'd be like, let's settle this. Bangkok, boom! Right. Got him! <laughs> hey, uh, guys. <laughs> that wasn't so hard. I thought this guy was good. Um, so he shoots them all. He, they die. Uh, some more gang members show up and he goes and hides. Uh, uh but one guy, uh, so looking for him, takes his jacket cause he left it behind. And then, uh, snake gets out of that hairy situation and winds up, comes across maps to the stars booth. And Eddie shows up star played by Steve Buscemi. Snake asks, he's basically just kind of a shyster guy trying to sell his, uh, audio tour of maps to stars homes. Uh, Snake asks him where to find Cuervo Jones, Cuervo Jones's house, but Eddie just tries to sell him on a tour, and then Snake walks away. Yeah, it's a, it's essentially felt like uh, him walking around asking for Cuervo Jones. It, it would be the equivalent of walking around like the land of some dictator or despot and just going, where is this guy at? Where's that guy at? Like nobody's. You know where you can find Castro? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Fidel today? Man, that now that's badass though, right? You're you're going into this guy's backyard and you're just brazenly asking where he is, not even trying to be stealthy about it. <laughs> uh, so Snake walks on and he comes across some other weirdos, um, including the foreign chick from Hot Shots with a Joan Jet wig. Uh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> she does kind of yeah, have so that Joan Jet vibe. <laughs> Uh, then these hooded figures, they catch Snake and the foreign chick with a net and bring him to some sort of weird makeshift hospital. And everyone has had terrible plastic surgery too much. And they're doing weird experiments on everyone that gets brought to them. Uh, people that don't have weird plastic surgery. And then Bruce Campbell shows up looking like the villain from that kid's show Lazy Town from the early 2000s. And that, I couldn't do- place it. <laughs> I knew he looked like something. He he reminded me of the bad guy from The Mask when he puts the mask on. Okay. Also, remember that Duracell family from the commercials? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's super creepy. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a blast from the past, man. Yeah, that's Bruce Campbell in this movie. Um, also wasted. Yeah. 
very wasted. I mean, I'm sure these all these are just like John Carpenter calling in favors. Hey, you want to be in a movie? I, I need somebody. Pay scale for a day. Show up. And I also wonder if Bruce Campbell was like, yes, but you have to make me unrecognizable. Right. <laughs> I don't want my name attached to this. I mean, what was what was he doing at this point? I mean, Army of I, Darkness, I, he, already, he had already been in at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't even saying like he was doing it to hide himself. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, John, I'll come in and do this. Just I just have one favor. Can you just do something crazy and just make me like not, you know, look like me so I can maybe act weird or something? I don't know. Like, well, he's, sort of, he's sort of like, like the king of camp. Right. You know, wanting to like sort of that idea where he like wants to do this outlandish character. I wish. Yeah. I, I wish that they had reversed roles and had Bruce Campbell be the kind of like pseudo sidekick to uh, Snake and not Buscemi. Because, I mean, I I like Buscemi as an actor, but I didn't like his character in this movie. Yeah. His shtick runs old real quick. And I kind of think that Campbell would have had a little bit more, uh, what's the word, like charisma to the role. Yeah. And he wasn't really doing much uh, at this point in his career. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. was over in 94. He had another Congo. TV show. Oh, what, what was it? Um, He's like a, a swashbuckler or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, uh, Jack of remember. all trades. Jack of all trades. That's what it is. 2000 though. Oh, 2000. Oh man. Wow. Is this like a, is this like a, uh, a syndicated show? No, I think it only had like two, three seasons, but it was like, is like Xena and like Hercules, that sort of thing. That it didn't run as long. Right. But no, but some, th- some, uh, like start in syndication, like Baywatch, oh. Baywatch, okay. Xena, Hercules, they didn't have, they weren't like produced by a, a tell, like a, a channel. So okay. They were produced and then whoever, whatever affiliates off. wanted to buy it, they bought it. They usually wound up on UPN or WPIX. I found out about this from my old boss, who's a huge Bruce Campbell fan. He was like, you've never seen Jack of All Trades? Look it up right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. He got real defensive. He's like, how could you call yourself a Bruce Campbell fan and not know about Jack of all trades? <laughs> like, I, because I was a kid? I don't know. I, I, I didn't care about Bruce Campbell in 2000. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. Sir, so <laughs> I'm trying to work right now. Please stop yelling at me about Bruce Campbell. Oh, man. Um, so he wants to do some surgeries on Snake. Uh, specifically, he wants to take his eye. And Snake manages to spit poison dart into Bruce, Bruce Campbell's head and takes him hostage. And then he uh, tells them to also release the foreign chick. So they escape down into the sewers. They walk through the sewers a bit. She says she knows them like the back of her hand. And once they get out, she tries to come on to him, but he hands her a gun and leaves her behind. She literally has no point in this mo- in this movie. Yeah. It would have been better if he just left her behind. <laughs> that would because he's the antihero. Right? Like, oh, Snake, take me with you. Right. No. And that, that would kind of parallel Escape from New York, you know, like Adrian Barbeau. You know, mm-hmm. She she eats it. And, in that movie, right, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, once they get out, she tries to come on to him. He leaves her behind. He walks into a junkyard, and she catches up to him. And then she talks about how she was brought to L.A. when they made being a Muslim a crime. Man, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> John Carpenter. He's hey, he. You know, he made Prophetic. they live too, man. He knew what he knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah, he again, still does. It, He's still alive. He's he's got like one of those uh he's got one of those plant ears from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 
And he just he crystal looks ball, in his man. crystal ball. Like, oh man, you guys are not gonna like what happens in eight years. <laughs> um, and then she talks about how she likes it in L.A. because she has more freedom than she would in the other U.S. And then she gets shot by a roving gang and dies. <laughs> it's great that we get character backstory for this character for just immediately to her get shot and killed. Yep. <laughs> and like it's is, yeah, it's is there the, is no point to it. Is the gang that's supposed to make this place dangerous just a bunch of preteens? Was was, was, was that the joke? Oh, they're like triads, aren't they, or something like that? They're they're Asian gang. Yeah, I mean, that's where Hershey is. Uh, she joins up with uh, the Saigon Dragons or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I like their little roadster that they have. The car <laughs> with the flames on it. Because that's, <laughs> that's 100% what triads would drive. Yeah. That'd be inconspicuous. Right. <laughs> the gang leaves, and then Eddie shows up and tells Snake to get in. He's like, I'm saving your life, bro. And then Eddie tells him he's bringing him to Cuervo Jones' house, and then shoots him with a knockout dart. Two of them, to be exact. And and gives a villain speech for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Snake comes to in an underground bunker where Cuervo Jones, Utopia, and some of his cronies are. Um, guy that w- used to work with the CIA, played by that guy from Seven, who uh, fucks that chick with the crazy dildo. Um Talks about what it's what's in the black box, which is basically a doomsday device, as we covered, an EMP device that cut pinpoint that could pinpoint a pulse to shut down an entire country. And the president says that Pliskin is dead, so they should just burn LA to the ground, basically. And Malloy says they can't do that because if Quervo has the chance to use the black box against the U.S., he would take it. They shut down the entire country. Quervo uh, then addresses the president via a live feed. And uses the black box to shut down the power to the Capitol. The, the weirdest part about this scene is that they made a point to make Snake run on a treadmill in the background of the shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is kind of weird. They don't really address it. Right, and like, then it's done after the scene. Like I thought, yeah. don't you think that they would keep him on the treadmill throughout? Yeah. Like this is your torture now, Snake. You're gonna run on the treadmill till you die. Like, nope, we're we're just gonna take you off it right away. Yeah, especially with what comes after this. You, right. you would think that they would have wanted to keep him on there longer. It's yeah. not like running fast. It's just, no, you know, kind it's of, a brisk walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to tire you out very slowly. You I wonder, know, I was going to say, it, he was basically on, like, trying to get out of the rain pace. Like, oh, yeah. here, you know, this is annoying. Just want to walk a little faster. Yeah, Stacy Keach's character going, is that Snake? <laughs> I know that one. He's alive. His one weakness: treadmills. Yeah. Then, uh, then they try to deliver the line that they think is badass, where the president goes, "Well, he's he's caught. He can't, he's a POW. He can't do anything to help us, but he's still alive." Right. Dun dun dun. <laughs> he's been dead plenty of times, sir. Yeah. Um, so uh, he Cuervo then demands a private helicopter by 5 p.m. or he'll shut down the U.S. So that's his demand. And then Snake gets us ushered into the Rose Bowl. Cuervo has set up a bunch of life and death games for his prisoners to play. It's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, this was the scene I remembered from my first ever viewing of it. Yeah. Um. So Snake, for some reason. Uh, has to play basketball and score 10 points without missing a shot. There are also some other rules about 10-second shot clock. He's got to keep going from one end to the other. Uh, he can't miss. 
and he has to get the shot off before the shot clock. Yes, he's got to get the shot off before the shot clock. So we have to watch Kurt Russell uh, pick up a basketball, and it's obvious he has not dribbled very often. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not Kurt Russell's first sport, everybody. Uh, he played minor league baseball when he was younger, but this this is might be the first time he's ever tried to play basketball. But to his credit, he practiced a lot during filming, and he actually made all the shots that he as is shown which, in hitting. Really? Which, yep. Even that full court shot? Yep. Wow. I wonder how many times that had to be. Maybe it was an entire day of filming. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, that is very impressive. Yeah. I was like, I was going to make a joke that you could very much tell that it was him just by his jump shot. The yep. one time he takes a jump shot, I'm like, ah, oh, that looks like a guy that hasn't done that much. <laughs> I, just, I, I Go ahead, Ant. I was just going to say, I was tipped off by the dribbling because, like, yeah. he didn't know what to do with his left hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first he... that, yeah, when they cut to the jump shot, I'm like, oh, they'll just put a stand in and just make this look like a normal jump shot. Then he does the weird cocked off to the side of the head, sort of just pushing the ball towards the basket. I'm like, no, that's still Kurt Rupp. <laughs> he, he dribbles too high. Yeah. yeah. The ball comes up too high. Anyway, I, I was going to say, I know what it was like. Like I peaked in high school when I hit a half court shot in gym and like everyone freaked out. That was like my career defining moment. Even to this day, it might be like the best moment of my life. <laughs> so I can only imagine it could have been a hundred shots and he made it. That is still one of the greatest things ever. So yeah. I, this I've gained, I, I already respect Kurt Russell, but now he's gained a little bit more of my respect. <laughs> and this movie has gone up one notch just for that. There you go. And uh, long story short, Snake succeeds. He's the only person to ever do so. He scores all those points. But Cuervo won't honor the deal, and he just decides that they're just going to kill Snake anyway, which is just, I don't know, why, why all the foreplay? I was I, I was waiting for a very Rocky Four moment to take place here when the crowd started chanting, Snake, Snake, Snake. <laughs> <laughs> they were gonna, all going to turn on Cuervo. Yeah. So Snake goes to make a break for it. Um, and apparently Isaac Hayes is one of the guards uh, at the basketball court. Is he that, he's is uncredited. He the, is he the big guy standing there that uh, won't let him out the door? I think so. He's the guy that looks like Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then an, That's a good description. Uh, an earthquake hits, or at least an aftershock, um, and everybody goes running, so it allows Snake a chance to escape. Um, in the melee, Snake kills a few guys and then jumps Cuervo and takes the black box. He escapes down the sewer, and Utopia and Eddie follow him. Utopia asks him to take her with him. She's uh, basically realizes that Cuervo is not the guy that she thought he was, uh, nor is her father, and she feels like Snake. She's got a lot of daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's jumping yes. from. Stay jumping, away from jump, that snake. Jumping from <laughs> Cuervo to Snake. You know, she's uh, she's got a lot of things she needs to work out. Oh. And then. Yeah. Only one guy in this movie will will take that at any cost, and that starts to the. Map to the stars, Eddie. Yeah. And Eddie will deal with that. He'll throw caution to the wind. <laughs> Get hit. Stick his dick and crazy. Um, so Utopia asks him to take her with him, and Eddie shoots Snake in the leg, and he drops the black box, and he gets swept away with the current. Eddie takes, picks up the black box and uh, grabs Utopia and brings her back to the surface and gives the black box back to Cuervo. Uh, Snake gets washed up to where the surfer is, and the surfer helps him dress his uh, gunshot wound. And then the surfer tells him that he needs to meet up with Hershey, who runs another gang and hates Cuervo. 
Then a tsunami comes, and the surfer and snake ride it with surfboards. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing he brought best two. Best CGI in the movie. CG is superb here. <laughs> it's flawless as far as I'm concerned. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Cut, print, you got it right on the first one. <laughs> it, I, I wonder how much convincing it took to get them on those boards. And just like, <laughs> all right, man, I know neither of you have ever surfed, but just try to make it realistic like come on you can't think of any better way to get us from point a to point b well i can but that's for the end of the movie oh all right (laughs) what's even crazier is that kurt russell wrote co-wrote this movie and he's only playing to his strengths it's like ah what if i played basketball instead of you know i played baseball in the 70s (laughs) maybe he he wanted to be cool maybe i I could still hang i'm hip (laughs) Hello, fellow kids. I was in Hello, the thing. <laughs> Hello, fellow teens, right. Um, yeah, so uh, as they're riding their surfboards on the tsunami wave, Eddie's driving alongside the tsunami, and Snake jumps onto the car, and he tries to shake him off, but eventually Snake is able to knock Eddie out, and he takes the car, and he takes Eddie hostage. He tells him that he needs to go find a woman, na- uh, someone named Hershey, and Eddie kind of points him in the direction. And at this point, we realize that there is one hour left on the countdown. Oh, I thought you were going to say one hour left in the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so, God. Uh, might, I think it's a little less, but it's around there. Um, Snake and Eddie arrive at a wrecked ship. Like, it's a huge oil tanker, I think. Um, I, I think isn't it, it the Queen Elizabeth? The, I think it's Queen Mary. The Queen Mary? Okay. Yeah, I think they zoom out and show that. Okay. Um, so Eddie does, Eddie does all the talking and introduces Snake to Hershey, played by Pam Greer, and Al Leong is there. Uh, yep. Yeah, the quintessential famous, famous uh, 80s henchman from uh, from Die Hard, and he was Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted. Uh, was so he was in Prince Double Dragon? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Is is Double Dragon? So he's the yeah, because he's the one. Like they drive past him when he's like hitchhiking at the end, right? Correct. He's got like a, a he's, cardboard. He's, yeah, he's uh, one of those Robert Patrick's two hinge. Yeah. yeah. And I was trying to think of what movie that was. That he that's the end of it. Yeah. But that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, so he's a uh, two-time. They call this a movie. Yeah, at least. Um, so Snake knows Hershey back when she was a man by the name of Carjack Malone, and they've uh, did they uh, they fixed the audio so Pam Greer sounds like she is a man. Uh, yeah. Not exactly the, the wokest part of no. this movie. Uh, Snake wants to make a deal with Hershey uh, if she helps him uh, get the black box from Cuervo Jones. He says that he'll help her get out of L.A. And anybody that helps him, the government's supposed to pay them one million bluebacks. It's a special kind of currency. I don't know what's so special about it because they never go into it. But it's different than the greenbacks they all have. Um but then, uh, so they decide to help, and then they're just like, well, how far is he? And Eddie's like, well, you, we can't get there in more in less than two and a half hours, and we don't have that kind of time. So one of the henchmen then kind of <laughs> longingly looks out uh, out at the Santa Ana winds. The fires. <laughs> fires. And uh, they have to attack from above. Oh. <laughs> which I apparently can't... means for all the soliloquy that he... he throws out on that it means that they have to hang glide from the hollywood sign that must yeah. have taken longer it had to have taken longer because yeah. you're gonna tell me these people know how to use the hang gliders perfectly and they had to get the hang gliders too right oh well they're they're in storage shit 
That's like 40 minutes away. I was going to say, it's a half hour away. We got to come all the way back to get the wind. I knew these hang gliders were coming handy at some point. (laughs) You all laughed at me. You all said I was crazy. Um, Hang glider Eddie. Yep. So before they depart, Eddie mocks up a disc to look like the Doomsday Device disc, and then they fly away on the Santa Ana winds. It's what a weird sentence. So what, what's sillier? <laughs> is is the tsunami surfing sillier than this, or is this pretty silly? I'd say the tsunami surfing. Yeah, okay. the, the, yeah, the the CG and that is what makes that sillier. Because okay. normal people, you know, they hang glide, but you don't you don't surf a tsunami. <laughs> And, and just and just hearing uh, Peter Fonda explain to Snake how to surf. And he gets it perfect the first time, too. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. It's like, definitely not like the first time I went skiing, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> first that's, and that last would, time. That would have been great. He's like, how do I do this? And he just totally wipes out. <laughs> I can't get up. <laughs> and then he was also good enough to stay on the board to be able to jump onto the back of wing vehicle. Look, at Snake Plissken, man. Yeah. With, with one eye, by the way. His depth yep. perception is totally you know skewed <laughs> um yeah so in happy kingdom cuervo is having a party with all his goons the government helicopter shows up and cuervo's goons immediately take it over president gets yeah. nervous and tries to get out of the control room but malloy won't let him the, gets... the one thing about happy kingdom is i like the line when they're when they're parasailing in and they see it from above and i think snake goes is that what i think it is <laughs> right it's <laughs> disneyland <laughs> Yeah. Yes, and that's all they say. That's super uh, so the president, uh, he gets word that Cuervo's forces are leaving Cuba, so then he goes to pray. Thoughts and prayers to the president um, oh, in this God, trying time. Uh, the hang gliders <laughs> arrive at Happy Kingdom, but they need a diversion, so Eddie crash lands in Happy Happy Kingdom. Eddie tells Cuervo that Snake is coming and then distracts Cuervo and grabs the black box, attempting to pull off the, the old switcheroo. And Cuervo catches him, though, and is about to shoot Eddie, but then Snake and Hershey's crew show up with hang gliders and start shooting everybody. It's so corny. It's, they just, right. like, fly by doing it. They're shooting. They're such easy targets. It was, it was, so, so, much, it was so much better than I remembered. <laughs> I, I think I looked up in the, tri- uh, I read in the trivia that this scene was inspired by the flying monkeys scene in Wizard of Oz. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's not what you want. I could have just made that up just now, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Yeah, why not? We'll go with it for sure. <laughs> I believe that. It's uh, better than it was a fever dream. Yeah. Kurt Russell woke whole... up in a sweat. Oh, I, I figured it out. <laughs> no, no, the props department just looked around and was like, uh, hang gliders. hang gliders. Can they come in with hang gliders? <laughs> well, we I want BBC pipe. We've got some <laughs> canvas. Uh, give, a, give us 25 minutes. <laughs> I really wanted to jump out of the Goodyear blimp, but this will do. Uh, so we got a whole bunch of shooting going on, and then Cuervo and Snake have a fist fight. Eventually, Snake knocks out Cuervo and is able to take the remote to the black box with him. And Snake, Utopia, Eddie, and Hershey jump into the government helicopter to make the escape as Cuervo and his goons shoot at it. And Cuervo takes out an RPG, shoots it at the helicopter. Uh, Eddie shoots him, but Cuervo is able to get the shot off, even though he gets shot square in the chest. (laughs) It's a huge gaping hole in his chest. (laughs) As the RPG hits the helicopter, Eddie jumps off the copter as it gets hit, but the the copter catches fire. I I lost track of Hershey at this point. Does she she die? Yeah, Yeah, they're in the back. The the whole back gets lit on fire. Oh, that's right. And her and her henchmen all get... 
Does she get like, a proper send off or is just kind of like just oh I, well obviously she's dead now. I I think that that she just dies just yeah. like every other character that tries to help Snake in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody that tries to help Snake just dies. Um, so uh, the copter catches fire, but Snake is able to pilot it back across uh, back to the U.S. over the wall. Utopia jumps out before she does. Snake puts the remote in her pocket. And Snake crash lands the copter and manages to get out unscathed. Government team, a government police team shows up with the president, and Snake demands that they give him the antidote shot. And it turns out they are playing Snake for a fool. He was what he was uh, dosed with was just a fast-acting flu, non-fatal. He'd be it's, it's just better flu. I don't know what he was worried about. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 70,000 people only die from flu, flu a year. Uh, Snake tells them that if they want the remote, they have to come take it from him. The police show up with Utopia, and Malloy searches her and finds the remote Snake planted on in her pocket. So he thinks he's figured out the old switcheroo that Snake tried to pull on him. And the president orders the police to take his daughter to the chair and tells his men to prepare to broadcast. Snake asks Malloy for smoke, and Malloy says that along with a bunch of other fun things, smoking is forbidden in the United States. And the president goes on television and tells the Cuban forces to stand down. They do not comply, so he plans to use the remote to turn off their power, which he really gives them, like, three seconds um, yeah. to comply. Um, Sir, but... they have not stopped yet. <laughs> well, uh, we gave him a warning. So they don't comply, so he plans to use the remote to turn off their power. Presses the button, but it turns out it's Eddie's Maps to the Stars tour. Once again, Snake pulled the old switcheroo on them. Yeah. It's a switcheroo after a switcheroo. Um, President orders his forces to fire on Snake with the cameras broadcasting, but it turns out Snake is a hologram, just like they pulled on him. So he pulled the switcheroo on them. So the, switcheroos. Too many so, switcheroos. So it was in the moment when he goes to the podium where in pop... It pops off in my head. Light bulb goes. Oh, the fucking hologram thing. With I ask you this every movie. With that, since they introduced that, would that have been Chekhov's gun? That it wasn't uh, used. I don't think so. Oh, it's a foreshadow. Yeah. Yeah, foreshadow is probably closer. Yeah, they go, hey, this thing, and they they lay out how it works, and then yeah. he supposedly loses it, and then he gets he he gets the jacket back at the end. Right. So it didn't pop into my head until like how are they gonna and then i think stacy keach his character was going sort of looking back at snake and i'm like and that's when it's sort of like oh that's what it's gonna be i was kind of hoping they just shot him dead that would be a, a crazy ending <laughs> that would have been great that would have been like what the true end the first play should have been right <laughs> it's just the uh, snake being super confident and like go ahead See if you can do it, and Stacy Keach just blows him away. Yeah, he just right. turns around and points the gun six feet in the direction. <laughs> right, and, and then he's like, "All right, Mr. President, go ahead. We're good here." <laughs> now there were um, alternate endings that I don't think they filmed, but they at least had a couple of ideas for. Um, hopefully, I could find this quick. And I love but, that um, the world code was six six six. Yeah, very original. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it can only be three numbers, so they couldn't put the holy grail of, of five-digit numbers on there. <laughs> 69, 69. Or 20, uh, <laughs> uh, Just in the trivia, the film could have had three possible endings. In the first, the Plutoxin-7 virus was no hoax, and the virus kills Snake. 
Second ending would have seen the president have the real remote control unit and Snake have a map to the star, Eddie's remote control unit all along, and the president would then shut down Cuba and Mexico. The third ending would eliminate Snake's usage of the hologram after switching the real remote control unit with Eddie's. Snake would ultimately be shot and killed as a result. So that yeah. was actually one of the possible endings. Interesting. All very bleak. A lot of those endings... Yeah. All those endings actually are kind of more interesting than the one that they that we are given. I think either getting blown away or the toxin being uh, for real would have been my go. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is definitely the more Hollywood ending. Yeah. Um, Did they think they were going to make a, an escape from PA? Philly? Uh, so I... Escaping I, Guantanamo Bay. Oh, wait, right. no, someone else said that. From what I've read, it seemed like, not necessarily in the trivia, but in other places, I think John... Uh, John Carpenter kind of begrudgingly made this movie. I don't think no. he was super into making it because um, he's notorious—he's notoriously not into doing sequels. Um, so that's the reason why he didn't direct—he didn't direct Halloween two, uh, among other things. Um, so I—I I, I can't really be a hundred percent. I don't know the full backstory, but I feel like this is sort of his like Spider-Man three sort of. Uh, you just kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to make this, but, uh, you know, it's not going to have my, I'm going to thumb my nose at you at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah it but... would have been cool to have snake bite the dust. I think. Yeah. Well, would you have kept, um, him still pushing the button? Yeah. Maybe. As... Blown away? Yeah. Maybe as he's dying, he, he hits the button. Yeah. Sure. I think, I think, yeah, we'll get to it in our normal end segment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Snake shows he has the real remote. And then the president asks him what his plan is, and Snake is like, well, if I shut down Cuba, then you guys win. If I shut down you guys, then they win. Or I could just shut down the whole world. So he decides to shut down the whole world. Presses the button, shuts everything down, and everything goes back to the Dark Ages. And then Snake's hologram disappears, and he's just off, kind of like... 100 away. yards away. <laughs> and he lights up an American spirit and looks into the camera and fades out. That's the end of the movie. That's Escape from L.A. Mm, not a good ending. No. Uh, we talked about three endings that we probably would have liked more. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. The, the one thing outside of I would have let, let him have one sidekick throughout the whole movie, you know, rather than all these people that just ended up being useless. Um, yeah. Uh, that's one way to fix it. Um, and the other one would have been mixing a couple of the endings, you know, doing the thing where the uh, the virus is real, um, but he pushes the button as it as it kills him, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. Or um, what if what if he when he goes over to L.A., you know, they all say like, oh, everyone there is immoral or whatever. And it's kind of a demolition man style where Dennis Leary and the underground dwellers are actually good people they're not maniacs so the people in la are just you know they're starving they're sick they need help but they were just deemed enemies of the state or enemy of the country so he kind of liberates the people from la and and leads them against the united states or something or he kind of takes over la and becomes their hero mm-hmm. uh because again you're just kind of recycling escape from new york you're just you're not saving the president you're saving the president's daughter essentially yeah uh, so yeah, maybe make him more of a freedom fighter because he's always a lone wolf. So maybe he kind of finds an, a higher calling to his life. Uh, or maybe he just puts on basketball performances three times a week. I don't know. 
right? She's like, come uh, see Snake Plissken as he hits full court shots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's tough. It, this movie is very episodic in terms of like he goes from A to B and then B to C and then C to D. And it's just one scene. Like a lot of this, a lot of his interactions don't really mean anything to anybody, like to the plot. So I don't know how you fix that. It's just kind of an entire rewrite, basically. You you make a uh, ten part miniseries where it runs in real time, like twenty four, and you just spend the entire ten hours on the island doing the mission. But it's ten episodes of a of a TV show. That that's the that right could work. Call. I could see sure. that going. Yeah. yeah, starring Wyatt Russell. We can do that now. Start Wyatt Russell. I want Wyatt Russell to remake. Hudson. All of his dad's movies. That'd be great. That'd be like like how Disney is just remaking all their uh, animated films as live action. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't do that with the Landises, because the Landises can you know get bent. <laughs> I have no Max, idea what that is. Max Landis oh. redoing all of John Landis's movies. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I thought that was a Kurt Russell movie. I was like, I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> no. Does Does he need to murder two people as well? <laughs> right to make that i mean listen you gotta stay true to your dad i wouldn't put it past max landis <laughs> i i still laugh to this day thinking of that twitter thing where the the guy said that john landis is the ultimate helicopter parent <laughs> and it still makes me laugh every time i think <laughs> internet doing what the internet does uh do you guys have anything else to add about escape from la uh Go see Escape from New York. Listen yeah. to my dad's warning. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't try to make it up with your recently separated <laughs> kid by taking Steve's life. No, um, in all seriousness, um, yeah, Escape from New York is the better movie. And this would have felt better as the third movie in the trilogy um, than the second movie. You know, the, just the final burn off the character um, sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those movies where. If I don't have control over the TV and it happens to pop on TNT or USA, I'm not going to force them to change the channel, you know? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Yeah. It's not that bad of a movie. Yeah, but it'll be like three hours long and that. Yeah. I mean, I had to watch <laughs> I had to watch Justice League on the TNT app, which had commercials on it. So I would never do that again with any other movie. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> all right. You guys want to you guys want to plug your shit? Sure. Uh, at the Aquino 122 on Twitter, at Stranger Damies on Twitter and uh, Instagram, come say hello. We're closing in on 800 followers. Nice. Yeah, we're getting there, man. Almost at the uh, the 1K. So you know, join the revolution, fellas, <laughs> friends. We don't have fans, we have friends. And uh, yeah, that's it. So and uh, our other two podcasts, Stranger Damies airs every Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you can get your podcast. Uh, StrangerDamies.podbean.com. Um, we just uh, finished up um, a session. Um, by the time you hear this, um, so uh, we got some had an interesting battle in there and had some revelations on um, you know certain things going forward with the plot. Um, so be sure to uh, check that out. Um, uh, and if this happens to be like we skip another week or something like that, just be sure to listen to the ones that have come in before this. Um, uh, also, uh, we got Game Vault Pod airs every other Monday, um, so be sure to check that out. Um, the most recent podcast we had was we reviewed the PlayStation 5 release, and uh, EA had a thing, and 
um, probably have some thoughts on early hours of Last of Us 2. So uh, be sure to check that out. And we'll be playing, uh, you know, doing our streams um, every uh, Thursday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and every other Monday. So just be sure to check that out. Everything is Game Vault Pod. So that's uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, and uh, Twitch. Okay. Yeah, and this is they call go they call this a movie. You can find us at they call this a movie.podbean.com and on all podcast streaming apps. They call this a movie. Just search they call this a movie and we will pop right up. Find us on all social media platforms under the main damey, which is the main website. The main is is there for you. We got a whole bunch of articles as well as podcasts as we promote there. Uh, so the main damey is uh the where you can find us on social media we're also a proud member of geek vibe nation you can find them at gvnation.com on all podcast streaming apps at geek vibes nation just search geek vibes nation they'll pop right up and on all social media platforms geek vibes nation or gv nation uh, geek vibes nation um is their social media um they got a bunch of great shows um besides us they got uh, as we mentioned top 10 with tia the scene and nerd a whole bunch of other shows that i probably should have a list one day and just name rattle them off <laughs> i'm sure they'd be happy that i just don't name two and then move on but a bunch of great shows for whatever you're into mostly geek stuff but they they do have some sports when sports is a thing that we are allowed to enjoy um but hopefully that is soon um and that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up um i'm at ant delvec on twitter you can find me there if you have any questions um or comments you want to uh, suggest a movie for us to watch you can hit us up at the main at gmail.com if you have the time which i hope you do um, go onto iTunes, give us five stars, give us a rating. It'll take you, it'll take you 10 minutes, maybe even less. Give us a review. It really helps us out. It helps us get seen so we can open up to more audience members. And, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. So, uh, the director of John Carpenter's Escape from LA is none other than John Milhouse Carpenter. I don't know if that's his middle name. Probably not. Uh, but for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling John Carpenter. I'm going to apologize for this one. John Carpenter, <laughs> please go fuck yourself. <laughs>
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 